Hi, I'm not hearing you. Um, is your audio turned on? Are you muted? Still not hearing you. What about now? Yes, I've got you. Perfect. I'm so sorry about that. I Our original email had said three o'clock and then our Zoom link said two o'clock and I totally spaced on whether or not where I was supposed to be. <laughs> so I apologize for my tardiness. I usually pride myself for being on time. That That is perfectly all right. I'm just so glad you're here. Um, I have to remember to, this is my large monitor that I talk with. I have to remember to look over here. This is where the camera is. <laughs> so if I look over here, uh, it's not annoying. I've got double monitors all over the place. So it's, I am listening and paying attention, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll trim out that opening a little bit. Uh, that's, I'm learning all sorts of things with these Zoom meetings and MP4 files and MP3s that I did not anticipate. I thought I knew everything. I, um, I bet it's, uh, I recently launched a like live stream series on YouTube and mm -hmm. learning the different software and like making sure things get from point A to point B. It's like a whole other thing in itself. It's like, there's too much going on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, welcome to the right focus. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself and let's start with you talking about your books. Of course. One will. One, thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to be a part of this new endeavor for you. Um, my name is Sarah Burr. Um, I write, uh, it's almost sometimes hard keeping track of them all. I write several series. Mm -hmm. um, my uh, latest book is called Hashtag Follow Me for Murder. It's book one <laughs> in the trending topic mysteries. I'm a big technology person. I absolutely love it. And um, so that's kind of, really how um, my trending topic series came to be. Um, I'm first and foremost, a huge cozy mystery reader. Absolutely uh -huh. love cozy mystery books. That's mostly what I write. I do have a, uh, a very, I guess, unique uh, series that is actually the first book series that I published uh, that's called the Court of Mystery series. And it's a medieval based fantasy world where the uh, main character who is a duchess, she solves crimes. Um, so she goes around to different castles and uh, events solving the murders that pop up there. Um, and so that that was the first series that that mm -hmm. I wrote and I'm still writing. I'm interested now. in that one because I'm a history buff and I love Middle Ages. Yeah, it's well, it's really fun because I um because it is also fantasy based, I can do a lot of very fun things mm -hmm. um, that definitely probably were not apparent <laughs> in the Middle Ages. <laughs> um, but it is with language and, you know, um, technology at the time, uh, you know, every there's no running water, it doesn't take, uh, you know, you can't hop in a car or, you know, to, to get from point A to point B. So all the travel takes Really no long cell time. phones. <laughs> no cell phones. Yes. And actually, so that makes it a lot of fun because there's just 
right now in, in the contemporary mysteries that I write, there's so much information at, um, at the fingertips of my characters that it's like they can Google something or they can look up something on social media. Whereas in my Court of Mystery series, the characters very much are mostly up to their own devices. And it's like, if they know it, they do, or they have to find someone who is an expert or a scholar in the subject. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, it, it's really exciting. And I, and I absolutely love that series. It's very dear to my heart. Um, my other published series is called the Glenmire Wind Mysteries. And the first book in that uh, series is called You Can't Candle the Truth. I love a good <laughs> pun. That's one of my favorite things about cozy mysteries. You Can't Candle the Truth is actually paranormal cozy. There are some supernatural elements to it, although it's not, um, it's not like very much steeped in the supernatural. It's the main character has the ability to see a what she calls a life clock hanging Mm -hmm. over someone's head and it tells them when they are destined to die. Oh, that's freaky. (laughs) She she knows when people are are going to leave this world, um, but she's able to wear uh, special glasses that actually obscure the life clock from uh, from her vision. So she's not constantly tormented by it. Mm -hmm. However, there are instances where her glasses get knocked askew or her glasses slip down. And as someone who who wears glasses, it's like, oh, there's nothing more annoying when your glasses slip down and you have to, to adjust. Um, so when she does see someone's life clock, how that affects her, but also how it affects a mystery that pops up in her hometown, Uh which is located in the fictional, uh, upstate New York village of Crucible. So I think that's the trending topic mysteries, the court of mystery series and the Glenmire Wim mysteries are my current published works. That sounds very interesting. How did you decide, uh, well, let, let me back up. How did you go about um, publishing those? Do you have an agent? Did you? Yes, so um, I, I straddle both worlds of indie publishing and traditional publishing. My Court of Mystery series and my Glenmire Women Mysteries are self-published. And um, I, I first got my start in the publishing industry through self-publishing. And I wanted to see if I could get an agent and I could get a book published through a publishing house. Uh Um, And it was kind of a little challenge that I issued to myself. Um, I love the uh, indie publishing industry. Um, I love having the creative control over my characters, over my covers, over all of my marketing materials. I, I really thrive in that environment, but I wanted to see you know, how traditional publishing was different, if I could do it at all, uh, Uh it's certainly not a guarantee. Um, But I was very lucky because the um, hashtag follow me for murder, I wrote it, um, I guess, probably now five years ago. Uh, And so so the fact that it just came out in February, like, your listeners can hear how long (laughs) the publishing process can take. Um, And so I wrote it about five years ago and I started querying because I, I felt that it was a book that had potential for a publisher to say, Oh, you know, this may be where our market is going. Um, And, and, you know, let's get on this because I, 
I had noticed a trend in the cozy mysteries that I was reading that many of the main characters were deathly afraid to use technology. Mm -hmm. Um, I read so many scenes about young women leaving their phones at home, forgetting to plug them in, (laughs) what have you. And I'm like, my phone is as like a second or I have multiple appendages, but it's another (laughs) appendage to (laughs) who I am. Um, And, and it's like, it's, I always have it in my hand Mm -hmm. um, or within, within reach. Um, So I, I thought, you know, what if a main character embraced the modern wonders of technology Mm -hmm. and really used it as part of her investigation, not as just, you know, it, it used it really as a tool to figure out like who her killer was, who her victim was. Right. So with that idea, I started toying with things and eventually created a character, created a like a, a whole fictional world of mm-hmm. Central Shores, Delaware, which is where where the book takes place. And then I started querying. Right. And I think I was on probably 70 rejections for agents by the time I took to Twitter and was like, Oh, woe is me. No one's ever going to publish my book. This is hard. <laughs> like <laughs> feeling very down in, in mm-hmm. about myself and my writing. Um, because, you know, the rejections you get are, uh, you know, none of them are ever really that pers- personable, right. yes. um, but you just, you feel them each time. And, and I think any rejection I get to this day, I still, I still feel it, even though I know it's not personal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, you know, on Twitter lamenting my, my woes about publishing and a, uh, a Twitter friend of mine, a, a, another author had, he reached out and said, my agent is looking for books like this. Mm-hmm. You know, here's her name, here's her contact information. Why don't you give it a shot? And probably a week later, I had a, a signed contract um, for a literary agent. Um, so modern technology came to your rescue. <laughs> exactly. I was like, talk about the wonders of technology. Like, I think that was probably the last positive experience I had on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I, I, it was, you know, the, the writing community on Twitter is so, so wonderful. It's probably mm-hmm. the only reason why I log into the website uh, these days just to, to connect and, and support mm-hmm. the authors that are on there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so I, ha- I, I signed with a literary agency. And um, from there, I would say that the publishing process, you know, it, it, it we went through kind of several rounds of, you know, how do we market this book to publishers? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where do we, uh, where do we see the series going? Thinking about all of these big picture things as part of the proposal process. Um, and then uh, several, several years passed before kind of got a nibble um, that eventually turned into a wonderful partnership with Level Best right. Books, uh, which um, as they published uh hashtag follow me for murder this past February. So I, I straddle both uh, hemispheres of publishing and love both of them for the, the pros that they bring to the table. So it's, uh, it's fun. (laughs) Now, was your book, your traditionally published book affected by the paper shortage last year and everything got back? 
You know, I don't, um, I don't believe so. Um, Mm -hmm. because it, my book had just not like been, uh, I think far enough along in the process. Uh, Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so I was lucky that my traditionally published book was not affected. I did on the independent publishing side of things, you know, there was that increased wait time for someone who orders a physical copy of your book. Usually Mm -hmm. it's produced within, I think like two business days. And Mm -hmm. this time around, it was like four weeks before books began shipping. And that's, that's always a a disappointment for me because my readers are disappointed. Uh, So definitely, I think the, the pains reverberated all through the industry. Yes. All through. That's, that's what I noticed. Um, what is it that led you to do the hashtag? Did you, I guess you saw, you saw the technology uh, sort of, I don't know what a version one could say. Um, and so I guess you saw, I want to write a cozy and here's a niche. And then you tried to formulate into that niche. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, so the writing that has always been most ex- successful for me has been me taking some of my life experience and forming it into a, a story. Um, and my life experience has always really included technology. And right. it was something that in a genre that was so um that I was just so heavily invested in as a reader that Mm -hmm. I began to feel like I can't connect as, as closely with these characters anymore because they're not utilizing technology. Right. Um, And it's so much a part of my life. I don't, it it would bother me if somebody forgot, but because I'm constantly checking the power level on my phone because I so much. And, and so what that presented itself with was, well, how do you create tension in a, in a mystery book mm-hmm. if, you know, your character really has all the answers at their fingertips or in, in certain situations, the one that was like, ah, why, why is this happening is mm-hmm. when, you know, a main character goes to confront the killer. Maybe they don't know that they're confronting the killer at the time. Maybe that, that aha moment comes as they are, you know, speaking with them or, or what mm-hmm. have you. Um, but there were just so many instances where as a plot device, the phone was forgotten because, you know, it would really kind of kill the whole suspense thing it's like if you could just mm-hmm. call 911 and report that that something bad was going down um so i had to really figure out how to incorporate technology in a realistic manner but also keep those traditional elements of suspense and um you know the the main character going out and speaking with people face to face. I think that that's part of the cozy genre that I love so much is that sense of community and right. folks mm-hmm. going to each other and having conversations and learning more details about either the victim or their potential suspects. So trying to figure out a way to incorporate technology into the novel, but not t- remove those elements that I as a reader love, and and I'm sure many, many cozy mystery readers love. Um, That was the real challenge. Um, But once I started really thinking about it, I discovered that you can actually lay a lot of groundwork 
ahead of time for your audience and for your main character. If you're kind of doing the, um, I guess the, the fact finding, uh, when you're like initially figuring out like, who is my victim, you know, mm-hmm. in, for, for, in Coco's case, she's not really that familiar with the woman who has died. She, she has worked with her for a couple of weeks as, um, she, the woman is a, an assistant for her clients, uh, her current clients, because Coco kind of has a, a double life as a social media influencer and mm-hmm. a consultant and, and helping local businesses uh, boost their social media presence. So, you know, Coco has been interacting with the, these local business owners, not so much with the, the staff of the establishment. And so she really doesn't know that much about this young woman. So she can kind of start figuring things out on social media and then go to the people that, you know, she finds out are her friends, um, checks out locations of places that she's visited and really kind of do that traditional boots on the ground investigation in a much more knowledgeable manner because she has that understanding of, you know, you can look at somebody's Facebook profile and basically learn their life story. Mm-hmm. Um, or they, you can learn the life story that they present to the world. And maybe you find out all of that information was just a carefully curated facade. And that's yes. another thing that Coco explores of like, social media may seem like it's real life, but it in fact is not. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes, exactly. So when you started writing uh, this ser- this particular series, how much of your ideas did you have already and how much came to be uh, as you were constructing um, and how did you go from there? That is a very good question because sometimes I have to figure out like how, what is my writing process <laughs> and, <laughs> and how do I actually get from writing the words chapter one to writing the end? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I feel that I am, I'm a very methodical writer in that I like to have an outline, um, of the basic, uh, the basic information that happens and who the, who the characters are, what the town looks like. I often will draw out a little map of the town. Oh my goodness. I love book maps. I, when I was a kid, I was like any book that had a book map, I was immediately like, I need to own this because <laughs> I just, I loved knowing the world. Mm-hmm. And I find that it's really helpful for me. I, I, I have a book map in my court of mystery series, but not in my cozy mystery series. They're purely just for me to mm-hmm. understand like, okay, if Coco lives here, how long is it going to take her to get to the, um, you know, the town office, or how long mm-hmm. is it going to take her to get to um, her client store? And yeah. it, it really just becomes a, a visual aid in helping me formulate what the world looks like. Um, and then I, I create an outline that I call a plot by day outline. And basically, it covers the information, very, very vague information about Mm -hmm. what happens in each of the days mentioned in the book. Because Uh another thing that I have a really hard time with is keeping track of what day is it Um, (laughs) when I'm reading and when I'm writing. Yeah. It's there are sometimes where you get to a part in a book and it says the next day, it's like, is the next day like a week from when I started the, or when the action started, or is it (laughs) 
day after or like yes. have, we, have we skipped months in 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 this book um so I, I try to frame all the action that needs to take place during one day so mm-hmm. that um I know where I'm going and I don't get lost along the way <laughs> uh because I have I have uh before I really like came up with a coherent process for writing books at the kind of the speed of which I write them mm-hmm. um I had like misplaced two weeks of time in a book. Uh-huh. How did we get here? Um, <laughs> so, so once I have that, uh, and, and you know, it's basic information that the characters need to find out during that particular day to move the story forward. It's not really getting into any of the details of like what they actually are doing. Um, and sometimes as I'm writing, I'll think of, oh, like, let's have them go to, uh, let's have them go get ice cream or, uh, let's have them go to the bookstore. And it's not a part of the outline that I've planned, but it mm-hmm. fits in with the information that they need to divulge during that particular day. And then once all of that is done, I really sit down in front of my computer and I write. Um, I write chapter by chapter. I'm not a person that goes back and forth with you know, thinking like, okay, well, I'm going to write this scene, but it's going to be later in in the book, because for Uh me, that's very confusing. I need to go in order of, of what my thoughts are in order to to get the story out. Um, And, and, and the information that I come up with along the way that may be like, relevant to the series, or especially when it's new characters that I introduce. Um, I do have a working document that has just the character name, their age, a brief physical description so that I can be um, consistent throughout the the one book as well as through the series as it continues. So there's, there's a lot of information that I have in my head that probably should be written down somewhere. Um, but I just haven't gotten to that yet. <laughs> I find the, the hardest thing that, uh, well, the thing that I most neglect when I'm writing something is to go into that. You, you call it another document. I call it my master book. Mm-hmm. And I go in there and I put eye colors and I put setting, I put where things happen on which particular days and that kind of thing. And I, I avoid that because when I'm in the white hot aspect of writing on my draft, Mm-hmm. I don't want to stop and make that yeah. note. And so sometimes I'll put it on a, a little scrap of paper and then I'll lose the scrap of paper and then I forget to put it in there. And, and <laughs> one, so. uh, one thing that I have uh, found that I do quite frequently is when I forget someone's name and I don't want to go back and figure out who I'm actually talking about, mm-hmm. I will just put in like big brackets, like insert name here. <laughs> and, and once I'm done writing the story and its completion, I'll do that, you know, my handy little control F to find every time right. that I said insert. So it's like, okay, now I can go back and puzzle things through because you're right. Like I, it's so, um, when you're in the zone mm-hmm. or you're, maybe it's even like after a writing session and you're kind of jotting down notes, it's like, I don't want to interrupt what's going on in, in my mind mm-hmm. uh, and risk losing that, that train of thought. Okay. When you get to a completed draft that you want, that you, you think you're through, but you know, you're really not. Mm-hmm. What, what steps do you take next? Do you have beta readers? I or- do. Um, I do have beta readers. And I will say that when I have a completed draft, like I, I get to the end of a manuscript, I've typed to the end. 
I know that this is probably going to be, I'm going to reach this page probably five more times before <laughs> I actually do send it out to beta yes. readers. Mm-hmm. Um, because I try, I, I, I have some uh, like different phases of read-throughs that I will mm-hmm. go through. Um, once I finished a draft, I will just do a, let me read this from point A to the end. Mm-hmm. And does it make sense? Are there things that are wildly incorrect? Yeah. Um, and, and kind of get the big picture of, you know, the health of the manuscript. Um, and then I'll go back a second time. And this time I'll be paying really close attention to phrasing and you know, dialogue and how things are said. And I'll be looking for areas to maybe um, add a little bit more humor um, mm-hmm. or trying to add a little bit more of the niche that I'm, that I'm pushed, that I'm pushing <laughs> at that point. Yeah. So like, for the trending topic mysteries, I'll be adding like parts where, okay, like where can I emphasize technology or, oh, I haven't mentioned technology in a little while. Like where can I incorporate it? Um, and then probably by the third draft, I will be reading for inconsistencies and right. like, making sure from page to page, like, oh, it says here that Coco is sitting down, but then, you know, three paragraphs later, she's over by the door and there's been no mention of her like having that movement. When did that, she's magic. there's sometimes like oh well it it just happens um and and for me and 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 it's funny because I when I read through and I and I catch all of these mistakes and then you send it out to your beta readers and you get them back you're like how did I miss this and (laughs) and and all of these uh, in these uh instances where I was specifically reading my manuscript for those inconsistencies and to how they still continue to slip through. I am Uh my own worst proofreader. I (laughs) cannot proofread. I am a person that I will look at an email for an hour and think, okay, it's perfect. I can send it. As soon as I hit send, it's like, oh, I forgot this comma or like I I, I did something wrong. And at this point, it's like, it, it takes me so long to compose an email because I'm just always so wary of my own proofreading skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's always uh, very enlightening and humbling to, to get, uh, to get that information back from your beta readers and see like, oh, wow, like, this is why we have editors. <laughs> <laughs> Which I needed an editor when I sent my first email to you. <laughs> oh, don't worry. <laughs> um, when you're uh, doing your indie publishing, do you send your uh, manuscripts out to a formatter? Um, do you have a cover designer that you particularly like to use? Do you try to do your own cover designer? How, how do you handle those things? I have, as I have like gotten deeper and deeper into indie publishing, I have started taking on more and more of the work myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I had mentioned earlier, it's like, I really like that control. It's like, <laughs> that's that, <laughs> like, I love, I love being in control. Um, but, but no, I, I, for my Court of Mystery series, I have the world's most incredible cover artist for the, mm-hmm. for those covers. They're absolutely stunning. Um, and I, I can send him a bit, like a very vague brief of like, this is kind of what I'm thinking. And he mm-hmm. comes back with just like designs that take my breath away. And I like, I absolutely love working with him. I, um, I use, um, I publish through the Amazon direct publishing service. Yeah, KDP. I don't do wide distribution um, at this time just because I really like the process that 
Amazon has set in place. And mm-hmm. I have, knock on wood, not had any huge issues uh, going through them exclusively. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I, I use their platform, they give a lot of tools to their authors um, mm-hmm. when it comes to formatting. Um, they have a really nifty um application now that's called Kindle Create. Basically, you just put your manuscript, your word, it's a Word document into Kindle Create, and it converts it into mm-hmm. a really clean looking um, EPUB file that, that yeah. you can upload. And um, so I, I've, I have used that in regards for like a Kindle book formatting. Paperback and hardcover is a little bit more intense, and I mm-hmm. usually schedule a whole day where it's like, okay, Sarah, you're going to be really, really aggravated by the end of today, (laughs) but you're going to get everything done. And luckily, as I have published, oh gosh, I think I'm on maybe 13 books at this Uh time. It could be more um, that I have self-published and I've gotten a good process. I've gotten my own template created so that I don't have to do a ton of formatting when the time comes. Um, and then um, I, with my Glenmire Wim mystery, I wanted to see, could I design a cover that yeah. was, uh, that was, um, that fit the genre? Because mm-hmm. my Court of Mystery series, they're a bit darker, fantasy related, um, and they're, and, and they have like a certain, uh, a certain look and feel of the cover. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not going to work for a supernatural cozy mystery. And so I was like, well, let's see what I can do. And I was very, very, I, I love graphic design. I absolutely love it. Um, and I found it just very um, soothing and cathartic almost. And like mm-hmm. a, a way that I can brainstorm while I am, you know, doing something for fun. Um, but I'm still like getting ideas and, and being inspired by the work I'm doing because I'm so connected to it. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I was able to design the covers for um, You Can't Candle the Truth and coming up in October, Too Much to Candle. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, and yeah, it's, there are so many tools that are available to uh, indie publishing uh, authors now that um, it's really like you have dealer's choice when it comes to, to the selection of what you use. But I, I try since I, do publish through KDP. I try to use the tools that they have um, just because they integrate so nicely with, uh, with their platform. Right. How do you maintain product productivity? Um, do you set a daily work account or a daily work time? Um, I, 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 sometimes I, I wonder if I am man- maintaining productivity um, <laughs> because there, there are days where it's like, wow, I feel like I've accomplished nothing. Yes. And then there are days where it's like, I could not have gotten more done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, what has really helped me is I have a, um, it's a, a little aside service that I uh, offer uh, other authors for content creation for social media, just because I absolutely love technology. And, and a lot of folks are still you know, trying to figure out, you know, what do I post on Instagram? How do I advertise my book online? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I launched um, my own little business last year called Books to Bundles that mm-hmm. creates uh, designs for that feature books. 
Um, and so they're just uh, graphics that folks can post on their Facebook profile. They can use in Facebook ads, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought when, when I launched that, I was like, how am I going to do this and write what will be eventually four series full time? Mm-hmm. Um, and after some trial and error, I, I kind of figured out that I work best in the morning doing uh, kind of administration work uh-huh. um, because there's a lot that you have to do behind the scenes of yeah. you know just you know writing what your books are about you know you have to do your own promotion mm-hmm. you have to maintain your website a lot of authors have a blog um, I'm like I'm trying to have a blog as, <laughs> as uh, frequently as I can um, and there's just a lot of stuff that besides writing that authors are expected to do. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that taking care of all of that kind of in the weeds administration work right at the start of the day when I'm kind of the most, uh, I'm like kind of working up into my productivity. Uh, So, you know, kind of kick things off around 8.30, probably by 11 o'clock, that's when it's like, okay, it's time to switch over and focus on, on actually getting some words down on the page. Um, and so I try, uh, to write every Monday through Friday. Um, I range from, you know, I, I really focus on the word count that I generate. I know that there are a lot of people that don't like kind of relying on word count. Um, but for me, because of the type of person I am seeing the word count in my manuscript increase gives me a good feeling. And, um, it, it helps me kind of reinforce like, okay, like I got something accomplished today. Um, so I try at least to get 800 words every day. Um, that's like for, for kind of goal setting. It's like, that's the bare minimum. That's like, Sarah, you have to do this. Uh Um, luckily I'm able to get about 1200 words per day on average. There are some sessions where it's like, I don't understand how it was feasible for me to write 6,000 words during, <laughs> during that time frame, but I will take it. No, mm-hmm. uh, no questions. Um, so, and, and I, you know, work until probably the dinner hour. So uh, it's, I, tr- my, the way that I kind of frame my day is this is my job. I treat it as I would if I was going into an office. Um, and so, so having those goals for, a day, uh, as well as monthly goals that I'm trying to hit, um, are also ways to help me stay on track. But if I have a day where, you know, I end up writing a sentence, I'm not going to beat myself up too much about it because that one sentence could be the turning point (laughs) in a manuscript. Um, so it's a a little bit, uh, give and take where it's like, I, I, I give everything that I can to writing it, but sometimes I have to take what I can get. (laughs) Well, I know I may spend three or four hours on 37 words for a, mm-hmm. of a teaser, um, or I might spend a full day writing a blurb that's only going to be 200 words long. Yeah. And I don't feel like I've accomplished anything, but it's done. And I know it's done. Yes. Um, and that, and that blurb that you write could be something that hooks a reader. That's like, I need to read that book. And, mm-hmm. and that's something that I've been trying to train myself, um, as I have been writing for the amount of time that I've been writing, mm-hmm. when I first started, I was so, so hard on myself. Like it was almost like, Sarah, why are you doing something that 
you're like making yourself so miserable when you used to love writing for just fun Mm -hmm. and realizing that anything that I am working towards and anything that I'm able to accomplish, that is, you know, that's putting stock in the future. Like a a good blurb is everything. And if I needed a whole week to figure out what that blurb was going to be, you know, I, I can't beat myself up over it because uh, it, it's a step in the right direction. And, wow. uh, and I think it's important to cut ourselves some slack. I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like we're really hard on ourselves a lot of the time, especially like, um, you know, if, if you don't make that word count for a day, it's like, oh man, like, what did I do? But, you know, the, the stuff that we're doing is important um, and, and, you know, really makes uh, our writing experience uh, convert into something that a reader is going to enjoy. So I think yeah. that, that that's what I have to remind myself is like what I'm doing will eventually pay off. Well, like I usually try to work six days a week. And so I lost Saturday completely. Uh, by the time my disruptions, which I dearly love my disruptions, but sometimes they disrupt me when I don't want them to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the time they left, I was too exhausted um, oh. <laughs> to sit down and write. And so I thought, no, you've got to have family time. Family comes first. Oh, for sure. It's like I have to put my little categories of things. I didn't used to think that I was that way. uh, But I have found that I am actually a check-off to-do kind of person. Mm -hmm. uh, Is there anything that we haven't talked about? Because we're down to, I think, two minutes, less than two minutes uh, that you wanted to mention. Um, well, no, your questions were really great. I think we covered a lot of, a lot of good ground. Um, mm-hmm. is there, is there anything else that, um, the only to... thing that I can think is, uh, the one thing that we didn't get to that I have been asking people is what is your favorite tool or your best tool to keep you going? Canva. <laughs> it's a, Canva is a design application that mm-hmm. I do all of my book promotion work in and it changed the game for me. I was, I was making my like Instagram pictures in Microsoft paint, which I think they like got rid of. It was so old. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and it just having investing in a a solid design program was the best thing that I could have done for myself because while writing is important in order to keep writing, people have to buy your books and you have to market yourself and, and have that, um, have a brand that people are going to be interested in learning more about. So mm-hmm. I, hands down, Canva was the best application that, that really changed the game for me. We, we forget that while we're writing our book and everything, um, the most important thing is the visual cover. Mm-hmm. And that is the thing that attracts people first. I know um, the I know they say like, don't judge a book by its cover, but as some, as you know, people that are in the publishing industry, I'm sure that you and I both can sympathize. It's like, I don't think that that's really, people really (laughs) follow that anymore. Like people Uh, judge. (laughs) Yes, they do. They do. Uh, Well, I want to thank you before we run out of time because we're down to seconds. Um, And so thank you so much, Sarah, for uh, participating in this interview. Please send me links so that I can put them in the show notes. Um, and this was a wonderful interview. Thank you so thank much. You. I, thank you so much for reaching out, Emily. I really appreciate it. And I'm so sorry for being late. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> it's all right. uh, but uh, it was great talking 